Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guests on the show are Ottermond, a Dublin-based band who released their debut album, The Imaginary Museum, on Strange Brew Records on this Friday, February 28th. They are Paddy Hanna, Padraig Cooney, Mark Chester and Owen O'Brien and I chatted to them in Kinley House in Cork when they were down from Dublin for the quarter block party weekend earlier in February. And I didn't just talk to one or two of them, I talked to all four of them in the same room at the same time. And you'll be able to hear the results, the good, the bad, the ugly, the dead rats. Uh, In the 50 or so minute conversation to follow, we talk about how they got started. They've been going for a couple of years and they grew out of the pop-in. Ottermond actually had their first rehearsal on the last day of the pop-in, which was a space in Dublin which was kind of home to the Popical Island Collective, which Padre Cooney, who plays bass and synth and sings in Ottermond, he kind of co-founded, I think, and all of the other guys, Paddy, Mark and Owen O'Brien, played in a whole host of acts who released music uh, on Popical Island, who played with other members in the collective. Bands you might uh, remember include Skelecrats, Ginnels, Grand Pocket Orchestra, No Monster Club, Land Lovers... There's a whole host of them there and you should definitely go back and check them out. So Atremont have been releasing music since about 2017 and they say that their guiding principle, their organising principle for this album is to make record, quote, by a band who were playing esoteric post-punk in 1979 but who are now transplanted to 1986 where a hit is demanded. They'll expand on that in our chat, I promise. It was put together over several sessions with Daniel Fox from Girl Band, who's been involved in so many of my favourite Irish acts, including Paddy Hanna's last album, Frankly, I Mutate. If you want to catch Ottermond live, you can see them at Other Voices in Ballina, County Mayo, this weekend, February 28th and 29th. Or if you're going to be in Texas, perhaps a long shot. But anyway, you can try and make it out if you really, 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 really want to see them. They're going to be playing South by Southwest in uh, a couple of weeks. They also have a song in a car ad as well if you watch uh, the television. So you might already be familiar with one of their songs. One of my favourite songs of last year is on the record and it's definitely one of the standout highlights of the Imaginary Museum. But there's plenty to delve into and savour and you'll get to hear it this Friday when it's released on Strange Brew. So let's get into it with Ottermann. But first, you're going to hear on the record. I think Nyler9 and Andrea Cleary on the Nyler9 podcast voted this the best use of sax in 2019. And I heartily endorse that message. Oh, 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 oh,
Hi, I'm Mark. I play guitar in Outremont. Hello, I'm Podrick. I play bass and uh, keyboard synthesizer in Outremont. And I do some singing as well. Old Padge, vocalist. Own Padge. Drums and synth also. Okay, delighted to be joined by uh, Outremont. Well, I'm joining you guys actually because you're in Cork. You played Quarter Block Party last night and I'm in your, um, your hostel room. How, how did you sleep last night? Was it all up to um, optimum expectations? I had a, I had a very in, uninterrupted rest. It was quite good. I was up good and early. Got myself some Maxwell House powdered eggs. Then I stubbed a Cuban cigar out in a man's motorcycle. I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. So how are you guys doing? Uh, your album, debut album, long-awaited debut album. It's coming out uh, at yeah. the end of the month. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Like it's it's been in the can for quite a while at this stage. It'll be nice to not have to worry about it anymore. Then I can. What's been the wait? Um, uh, label stuff. It's just no. It's uh, literally just lining up. When's the best time to release it? Nothing dramatic. We actually were we recorded it partially. I remember during the World Cup in two thousand eighteen. So it's been it's quite a while ago. It was recorded in increments. That's correct. Um, but also in a studio with um, Daniel Fox on the producing duties. and But it's, it's weird. It was done in incre- increments, but it was also done very fast. Like we did we did everything very fast when we got around to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I broke my collarbone, so I can play on most of the stuff. It's, That's right. That's right. We went in to record uh, the record and he came off his bike and so we did it without any guitars and we were supposed to just do a few songs but because he wasn't there we did a whole album and uh, we just thought it was good enough at that point <laughs> but he came in another day and did his guitars um, and this, this is obviously fascinating detail uh, I'm actually uh, interested in the in the came off your bike bicycle in Dublin City was it? Yeah, why don't you walk us through the event yeah it was very interesting it was about 100 metres from my house and I fell off and broke my collarbone did you go over like a crack in the tiles or something? Uh, some gravel. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't looking where I was going. I hit some gravel whilst indicating and yeah, ended up on my... Is there any footage, like security camera footage? Disappointingly not, no. Oh, it was quite gruesome. It's still broken as well, which is great. It's like still a bone sticking out, which is nice. But, uh, oh, yeah. Does it heal? It was meant to, but it didn't. And it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's not great. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was much more to the annoyance of everyone else because, um, yeah... Did you I think it held up stuff quite significantly? Did you think about suing the council for? Sort of I did. Yeah, no, I thought, what would uh, what would Patch do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, heavy litigation, <laughs> you know, and uh, heavy litigation did cross my mind. But then, actually, you know, I, I don't really know how you. Yeah. You know, they put the gravel there. You know. He did, but a I put bit the of in, I put the pints in me. So oh, you were you were drunk. Oh, dear. Oh, I thought that it was. The detail emerges. Yeah. It's lo- this actually does sound like a grilling. Doesn't I have to say, I'm, 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 like... I'm sort of coming over to Team County Council here. I don't think <laughs> I don't think they're responsible. Yeah, no, you're no, rummy. No. You were cycling drunk. <laughs> I broke it. Uh, so so that held up. Uh, I didn't see him laughing at you when you broke your shoulder. Yeah. No, all you did was kick me while I was. I broke my shoulder during a gig recently, and I was lying on the stage in agony. And this, uh, and I was on top. I was on, on my, top of his pedals. You were lying on my and pedals in agony. He started kicking me in the back while I was lying there with a broken shoulder. <laughs> um, yeah, it was I? It was electric picnic. I fell off stage. Now, to his credit, he wasn't. He didn't realize that I had fallen off the stage and broken my shoulder. Hmm. But you still kicked me in the back. <laughs> 
Yeah. Really? He crawled back on the stage. He didn't jump off the stage and kick him in the butt. I see. I couldn't get back on the stage because I couldn't physically. I was like half one half of my body was in agony. You got a boost back up. I got a boost from two sort of helpful lads, yeah. and I just lay there in in a state of pain. Luckily, it was during a song where I I mostly just do backing vocals, so I was able to just lie there and just do the backing vocals. They were more sort of aids, like guttural groans at that point, really. Yeah, they weren't really there's footage there's yeah. footage of this whole event um, which except the fall is everything the but the fall Pad nixed the whole thing so the footage hasn't emerged yet how, sorry, how is it my fault you wouldn't well, you refuse to let us uh, put it out for like comedy value at Christmas I there is a 25 minute video of this entire event it's too long including my being treated by it's the first time I've ever gone off stage to be greeted by paramedics and it was good um, but yeah there is footage but I don't know I mean I, I, maybe it'll be public someday or maybe I like to tantalise people a little bit yeah? I think it's probably more entertaining to us than than everyone else probably yeah oh. are, are there any more band injuries that we need to know about in the past two years I, I, does I, anybody own of you injured yourself on stage last night uh, no 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 either am I Mark and Paddy both have uh, matching jutting out shoulder blades now though yeah, as my um, as my shoulder healed, right, my clavicle, uh, new bone grew, so now my shoulder is like pointier. I've got like a little big sort of like like arrowhead kind of thing going on here. So like I actually developed more bone as I've a result. I've got a pointy, sticky out shoulder bit as well because I had a heart attack. Oh, oh yeah. Oh wow! I think oh, you yes. win the the, <laughs> the contest yes, here. Yes. You had a heart attack while playing football. Yeah, it wasn't band related. Yeah, so. You did, you did attack the paramedics, though. I did. I supposedly punched them. and uh, I had bruises all over my arms because they uh, they had to hold me down. I don't remember any of this. But why were why. you attacking the paramedics? Because I was freaked out because they were, like, um, carrying me off in their spaceship, as I remember it. All right. That's, yeah. yeah. Was that in the past couple of years? Or? No. Well, no, it's, it's actually five years ago now. Okay. But, uh, so... Uh, it has nothing to do with Ultraman. <laughs> but, I, but I do have a sticky out bit in my shoulder, because, well, like which is a box. Obviously, Mark Winchester's <laughs> bike fall was relevant in the sense that it, it held, he couldn't record for a while. But your heart attack doesn't really have a connection to the recording process. Unless, no. didn't it inspire a song? Um, that was the Mike Stevens Skelecrat song. So no, it hasn't played its way into Ultraman just yet. We should think about that. We should work it in. Okay. <laughs> Not like you to profit on other people's strategy. Yeah. I'm all I'm all about profiting from misery. It's my game. Mm. Did did that have an effect on any of the other bands that you were playing with, or any music that you were making at the time, like uh, five years ago? It seems like yeah. in, in my mind. Oh, we did, we did. We like the it. There's there's like there's two songs about it on the last Scalacrats album. Sorry for it. taking this off. Did you not write? Like oh, I did the whole when album when I was in hospital. Yeah, actually, both Skelkrat's albums were done when I was recovering from operations. But um, the the sort of first song in the last Skelkrat's albums, Arconium Heart, is Mike's song about my yeah. incident, and then the last song, Skelkrat's Nights, is about he about incidents. That you didn't know, and that you were going to get really angry, and you found out it was about. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. But that's Mike. He has weird neuroses. Anyway, uh, yeah. different times. It's Mike Stevens, by the way, he's a gentleman from uh, the Popical Island Collective. Clarifying that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for the benefit of those listening, <laughs> that's who Mike man. Stevens is. He's not, yeah. Of course, we all met through the Popcorn Island Collective, didn't yeah. we, guys? Yeah. We sure did. I, I actually might be. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we're all popical boys at heart. Jeez, it's ten years since those guys got going. I suppose. I believe Wonder if they have anything coming up. I believe there might be something coming up. All right, Podge. No. Oh, we're Why doing. Be the first to announce it, Podge. Okay, uh, we're uh, there's the Pop Glam Collective have a uh, ten year anniversary. It's ten years since the first compilation. Anyway, so we're gonna we have some money left over from a deposit we got back on our late lamented um, headquarters, and we're gonna spend it, blow it on uh, on a fancy. Uh, best of Pop Island's double vinyl, oh, wow. so uh, which will be coming out this year sometime if we can get our shit together. Pop Island is your baby, like you kind of started it. Yeah. Did you? Well, not not me as such, but uh, me with uh, a few other people like Ruin, Vanvelis, Mike Stevens, Parker O'Reilly, people who were in like a few bands at the time, and then these these lads all came into it fairly soon afterwards, and uh, you know we all kind of did stuff together for. We were, the Fears. In, we were the interlopers but uh, where are you welcome interlopers Thank you very much. do you remember the night um mike stevens had you had gpo over to his house to like <laughs> do this pop glide and science gpo uh, uh, gpo by the way a band's a grand pocket orchestra and um, yes we did we, we had a big signing and M- mike stevens wore a garish suit and we signed a contract yeah <laughs> uh was it just you off your bike mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could probably go through so many nights that you can't remember. I guess over the over the ten years of Popkill Island. Oh yeah, there were some wild nights. <laughs> I mean, yeah, moderately wild. You know, um, we we did wild we did a lot of some incredibly unmemorable yeah. nights. Yeah, we 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 did a lot of gigs. You know, and there must have been something wild that happened at some point. Tell us a story. Like a, any old story. I was smoking a Cuban cigar. <laughs> And I saw a man's motorcycle, and I decided I'm going to ruin that man's motorcycle. So I stuck the Cuban cigar on the, out on the leatherette seat of the motorcycle, knowing that he was not going to suspect an 18-year-old oik and assume it was some kind of duke or duchess that was co- just happened to be about town. I don't, re- I, 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 I regret it, and yet I don't regret it. But this is life, you know. We, it comes in leaps and bounds. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently a true story. I'm still not quite sure. Yeah. You you got the deposit back on the place on Little Britain. So Street, yeah, I don't know if you're ever in it. It's, uh, I, I remember going in. There. I think I talked to someone um, in there. Yeah, I actually yeah. did an interview. Oh yeah, um, it's. Uh, I don't think I saw any music in there though. Uh, no, there, there was. <laughs> there was normally no music to see. Any music yeah. at the yeah. <laughs> because uh, normally when any music would start. And there would be any audience members there. The guards would come along fairly soon afterwards to break it up, which contributed to its demise, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great spot. It really kind of kept kept us together as a as a as a group for and a number of years. Also killed it. It was it, it did two jobs. Oh, that's right. Alive and then yeah. also like artificially kept us alive and then ruthlessly it. finished us off. Yeah. <laughs> We actually, Ultramont, had our first ever rehearsal on the last day of the pop-in mm-hmm. before we got turfed out. Ultramont uh, was born on a mound of ashes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the day after I'd taken a, a, a dead rat out in a um, dustpan and tried to put it in the bin, but it was too stiff to get in the Dublin City oh, Council yeah. bin. <laughs> so, <laughs> rigor mortis. Oh, what did you do with the rat then if you couldn't I get it in the bin? Jammed it in there. Oh, oh my gosh. It wasn't very pleasant. 
Uh, Rim, you fell off the bike. Rim was hiding the other side of the street. Mm. The dream of the Papa Inn was always a lot more uh, <laughs> kind of than the than, yeah. It just ends with rigamortis rats. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, I guess it's like mostly happy memories that you have of the place as well. Like it did kind of act as a hub. Yeah, yeah well, um, it was not. It was really, really nice to have a place that was well, ours and we could go and rehearse. Like there must have been like there must have been a dozen albums recorded in that i mean i i plucked that out of the out of the, out of the air but um yeah. but mostly in those rooms what's your favorite thing that was recorded there uh you know what you know i'll, I'll say, you say no monster club thing, right? no monster club the band with whom i drummed we recorded a cover of the rock and roll kids now bobby ahern the frontman for monster club wanted to do a cover of rock and roll kids because the eurovision was coming up and he was like I'll get this cover and he sent it off to the radio some top RTE lad one of the big shows said oh yeah I'm going to play it on the show and he said I can't wait to play it on the show and he played it on Derek the Mooney was and he threw us under the bus he, he, the, the show opened with that song and he said well I have to say now folks I think this song is utter crap uh, and then like the other people in the show was like I think you're being a bit hard on him like, and then they started getting loads of emails in saying uh, we've had more emails about the song uh, one person thinks they should be sued for copyright infringement and all this kind of stuff I was like you absolute scumbag because like, he was like being a real he was being real pally with us in the emails and then he just puts it on the show and just completely throws it. But Paul Harrington rang up the guy who wrote the song and uh, was like, "I think that's great." Did he? Yeah. Jeez, I missed that part. Yeah. I just tuned out because I. Yeah. You know, he called in. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, there you go. That that's that of of all the things that were recorded in the pop in that that one has a nice little story to it. Maybe he didn't write the song, but he was him and Charlie McGettigan did it for the Eurovision. There you go. I I always say you can't underestimate how important radio play is for an Irish band, but maybe in that instance, uh, <laughs> yeah. not so much. That's a very No Monster Club uh, story, really, isn't it? They it's, tried uh, to get Bobby O'Hearn on the show as well to to to, to talk about the Yeah, but they couldn't get him uh, with enough time or something. Like it's that. way better than the original. Yeah, it's very good. I think the drumming is great. Man. No. <laughs> Drumming could have been better. Yeah. Was the goal of Popkill Island just kind of like to give uh, just all of these bands like a common entity? Uh, yeah, the, go the initial goal kind of was um, we were, you know, you know, we were playing e e gigs with each other and stuff, but the usual stuff where nobody pays attention and thank God, like every gig we play now, more than five people come to the gig. But um, at that time, it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case, and um, we, uh, um, I don't know, it, like, we, yeah, we thought, you know, strength in numbers, and you can do more interesting stuff when there's kind of people with you on the, in the endeavor. Um, we all, we liked the idea of, of these kind of uh, mostly American collectives who'd, like, put out compilations and, like, have a, like, self-sustaining scene it just seemed like a good thing stuff. to do yeah because we were kind of doing some of the stuff anyway but if you put a name on it people think oh that's a thing whereas you don't put a name on it they don't necessarily so it's good yeah. I mean it's something like I mean we ended up in about seven bands yeah like, but also yeah, putting, a na putting a name on it and making it a formal thing kind of makes you do things as well like so you're kind of doing some stuff but because you've then named it it gives you a context for doing all sorts of things so we like you know whether yeah. it's compilations or whether it's you know all dayers or whether People. it's having a practice space to get not like not just practice space but even bigger ideas like having venues and headquarters and stuff mm. all that you can't really it's hard to conceive of that stuff without there being a umbrella you know 
yeah. umbrella corporation yeah <laughs> um, yeah no. and even just like you put a name on it and like people just be like oh yeah it's a, the it's a record label and you're like yeah, yeah so we used like, to kind of give out about people saying it was a record label, but, but part, it wasn't, part yeah. of it was a record label. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah. no, we're a collective. We had we had fights about that, like you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> there was a there was a very uh, yeah a very sort of annoying and sort of yeah. strange. The other thing that was annoying, and this kind of does lead into Ultramont, I suppose, is that Popical Island people couldn't do anything without it being described as bockety. And the reason, and, or ramshackle, yeah, especially Bockety, that really used to annoy me. And the reason it was, was because Mike Stevens came, like, came, pulled this word out of his arse and put it on the MySpace bio. Oh, wow. We're and it was like here. Bockety Collective Popical Island. And it's mad how these things just become, like, kind of received wisdom. That, like, for, for how long? We were doing stuff for, like, seven years or something. And every single thing every single review of Popical Island stuff whatever wh- whatever the nature of the music was uh, more bockety stuff from Popical Island I think we should go through the point mm. of everything blog and see if the word bockety has ever been used yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't <laughs> expose you to it uh, yeah. I can't I can't blame them because I did because we, we never bothered to update the original like description but it got to the stage like I mean we recorded like um in between Paddy's two albums, we recorded like Austria for Paddy in a really like nice studio with mm. lots of nice vintagey like keyboards and like beautiful microphones and stuff like that. And then yeah. we put it out, and they were like ramshackle, <laughs> half of it. You just like, lavishly <laughs> lav- 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 produced. Yeah. yeah, it's like we did the we did the uh, the the second Landovers record with like it, co- it cost like this. I'm not proud of this, but it cost us fifteen grand to record, and uh, we. Um, Oh, Jesus Christ! But, uh, <laughs> but think of the, all that money. It was really, you know? it was really stupid. Like, um, but uh, we, we oh, God. <laughs> but uh, but, but, but like, and and the most, and the most kind of, the most kind of hi-fi kind of like radio rock sounding thing, and the whole thing was this the first single we put out. The cinema bell and the first and I just like opened up um whatever it was or uh, opened up a website one day and the first review of it was typical lo-fi banger or whatever from Pop Island like Didn't this is the furthest it. from lo-fi yeah, yeah, I yeah. could ever dream of getting like but um so like it's that kind of stuff follows you and it's just generally the whole notion of being twee and kind of like you know kind of cutesy a bit kind of was and like some of that was true though that was an aspect of Pop Island but there was a lot more um. Uh, kind of variation to it I think more richness anyway with Ultramond I think we were very consciously trying not to be cute yeah Uh, yeah sure it's very difficult for the likes of uh, Owen (laughs) (laughs) not to be cute pinchable cheeks but I guess it it started the the last day of the pop-in so I guess that's kind of like the nice deviation like from it Um, we knew we wanted to do something a little bit more morose that's for sure we tried we we like like we have a natural kind of i think poppy inclination like the uh, among us but we tried quite hard and we've i think succeeded to kind of bash out a space where we can be kind of uh um depressing is the wrong word but kind of definitely more serious mm. it's and it doesn't Focus. necessarily come na- it's not a natural place for a lot of us to be in it. No. It's, it's definitely something you have to consider and like try at because I think, you know, through like a lot of the music we made in the past, whether it's Skelcats of Gunnels on a Monster Club, it's been kind of a thing about the three minute pop song. Yeah. 
and that is a, probably a natural place for us to be. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, there's no challenging not to be pushing not up to be in that brow. place. There's no Ultraman songs really that are just kind of that come naturally to us and that they're just we did that without thinking. We we always think think them through and that's yeah. like I'm not saying that's the way to make music or whatever, but it's definitely the way we I think we kind of went chiseled through, out a, a we good went sound a lot of for versions Ultraman. of a lot of songs. Yeah. In the beginning, like yeah. layered them and changed them and then came up with a sound that way. They're very considered, I'd say. Yeah, they're very considered. Because if I did we if we didn't think about them they'd be th- like there'd be two and a half minute pop songs. Mm. Yeah, which is, you know, also I think we've, we've all made That's fine, nice then. music like that and it's definitely, yeah, it is the natural place for us to sit, but yeah, yeah a change is as good as something. Rest. Is it, so is it a challenge kind of making some of the songs on the album? Like I was struck, but I think it's nine tracks long and like yeah. the shortest song is like over four minutes. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Well, we, well, see, I, one of one of our kind of uh, watchwords, I suppose, was be, would be patience, not so much with how we approach the band, but definitely in terms of how we approach the songs and not to kind of uh, rush into, you know, getting it over and done with, which again would be our natural inclination. We kind of don't like, oh, we should, oh, we should, we shouldn't play that four times. We should only play that two times. And we've always done that throughout our like musical lives. It's kind of like two bar intro. Like, why did we do that four times? It should only be two times. Yeah. Yeah. But now we kind of let things. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's how it, that's, that's how it ends up being long. It's not necessarily a surfeit of ideas. It's just letting things chew a little bit more, which is also, it's a it's a nice way to make music actually and lots of people lots of people do this naturally they kind of like are content and patient enough with their music to say i'm just gonna let this kind of like sit with me or the listener or whatever for a while and we never let things sit with the listener but we've tried to do that with after so. also yeah not having 140 bpm tempos and when you listen back to something you recorded it being like why does it sound like it's at one and a half speed yeah. which is always been the case in the past as well yeah so it's nice to yeah nice to yeah matriculate and like matriculate is this is this dare i say it a mature album oh uh well as as mature individuals it is yeah no i don't know it's yeah it's just it's nice to do something like different from your natural inclination i think that's that's the that's the thing it's nice to it's a lesson for us all to take on paddy is doing here with isn't quite got it on the top of his oh, head. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 jauntily on my head. Paddy was wearing a hat, which doesn't quite fit his head. <laughs> uh, it's, it does. I'm just not wearing it properly. Oh, you yeah. want to show off those? I I marks I, on your head. I have a massive head, and I went into a hat shop in France, and they basically asked me to leave. It's just like. <laughs> So they basically just said to me, "Sir, we have no business for you." He was like, it was, "I felt like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman." You know what, what I mean? Size you... is your head, Paddy? Oh, it's a, it's a, like, if it's extra large, it's not so going. I think on it's my a sixteen. Mine's a sixty-two. Oh, I don't know the numbers. I just I know extra large. You don't wear enough hats. I, I guess not. I guess no, not. Have you measured for a hat? Oh yeah. On the hat man. Numerous times. When in the eighteen hundreds? Who fucking what measures your hats? All sorts of hats. <laughs> All sorts of hats. Phrenology. I collect so. hats. You do yeah. wear a lot of hats. I do. I'm not wearing one right now. What do you think of this hat? Do you like this hat? What surprised me because the first few times I met you, you always had a hat on. And mm-hmm. then when you took your hat off for the first time, which was like maybe a couple of months into it, <laughs> it turned out you had a really lovely head. Yeah. yeah. I Matt, I always, I, thought you I would always something. suspect anyone wearing a hat that they're bald. Yeah, mm. exactly. You expect a little sort of 
I thought well, that's it. So when I do go bald, I no one's yeah, the wiser. Yeah, 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 hiding yeah. A, a luscious head of hair, which mm. was it was it was genuinely a surprise to me. Yeah, you said that to me. Yeah. Your dad has a good head of hair though, he as well. Does. So you're probably you're probably either. okay. He looks like Captain yeah. Beefheart as well. Which yeah. Is really <laughs> 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 He's beautiful. We did a uh, a live a day of kind of live recording a couple of weeks ago for like you know album content, and uh, Owen's dad recorded it all with his lovely head of hair. Mm-hmm. It was nice. That's the whole story. Yeah. It's a real, real whopper. Uh, <laughs> um, so <laughs> what? So what's the what's the state of your other bands? Like, is Ottomond everybody's kind of main focus at the moment? No. Uh, well, right now because we're putting out the album and stuff. Like, I've managed to uh, get these busy guys to <clears throat> devote uh, a lot of time to Ottomond. But uh, Paddy here has will have a, a, his own record later in the year. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah, it's coming out this year. We had to put a bit of space between the Ultra Mode album and uh, my album, but it will be out. Ultraman and Paddy are label mates. Mm. That's that's right, yeah. That's true. But there is a second, a third patch record in the can. And as far as I know, uh, Owen here, who yeah, drums in, um, what, is it still No Monster Club? Would you? No, well, maybe. He, dr- he drums with Bobby, uh, Sir Bobby Jukebox, yeah. and you're going down to Kerry to record some stuff in yeah. a couple of weeks? Yeah. I was meant to join you, but I'm not going to. Are you going to England instead? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to England instead. Of I'm sorry about are. that. Um, but I might, yeah, I might play some guitar on that. We'll get you when we get yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. So you didn't record on the Ottomond album, and you're not going to record <laughs> on this. <laughs> don't like yeah. you. Don't like being uh, recorded. Yeah. And yeah. 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 More of a live guy. <laughs> No, I'd I'd like to clarify that he did end he did end up on the Ultramont album. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I end up, I eventually end up on albums, but it, it takes a takes a bit longer than everyone else. Um, yeah, yeah. You need so your own space. Will you ever do uh, Ginnells again? I w- I've been promising a Ginnells album for four years, and then I keep carving up. Like I I had three weeks, four weeks set aside for it at the end of last year, and then sat on my couch and did literally nothing for four weeks. So. Um, that was that, and I'm probably never going to have any time ever again. So we'll see. Do you think if if um, Popkill Island was still kind of like a going concern, would it have kind of like given you the kind of the shove to make the Ginnels album? Or uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm really bad at that kind of thing, and like I, unless like yeah, unless I absolutely force myself to do it, and unless everything is set up and there's the bare minimum of stuff for me to do in terms of like microphones and all that stuff, then. I just won't bother, which is really bad. Um, so I, yeah, I need to get around to it. But whether that happens or not is an entirely different thing. I have loads of songs though. They're just never going to be recorded. Yeah. <laughs> You're being very Until defensive. A week later. Yeah. yeah. Can I also yeah. say there's another there's a Scalakrats album coming out because it's oh. finished. Mm. But um, Fierke McCarthy, the bagman of Austin, <laughs> has um, that was an in joke. Sorry, has uh, has uh, mixed the the new uh, Scalakrats record. Pad used to and Scalacrats this is very popular and stuff it's all very incestuous he's been replaced by two people Ruin Van Vliet and Bobby O'Hearn I, I did make the point that you, you'll need two men for one of me yes and uh, it's been a good improvement it's been it's uh, like a breath of fresh air Mark in, in the similar circumstances Owen here replaced Paddy in the Monster Club as well I've so been he, I've been replaced by many men at <laughs> many walks of life yeah. it's been quite well, easy so mm. it sounds like everything has kind of continued on from Popkill Island. Have we lost yeah. any bands along the way? We've just become less interested in music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's very true. There are there are whisperings that there'll be a pop and sort of reunion gig, if you want to call it that, where there's talk of getting, getting a lot of people are saying back that. together. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Tyrannosaur will get back together? Well, that's not for me to say, Podge. Think Groom will get back together? Groom. 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 <laughs> Possible. Who knows? Mm. It's a mystery. Anyway, that would be good. It'd be yeah, a nice day out. Maybe this summer. It's nice to get out of the house. Yeah, exactly. Pop in is like a uh, private homeless shelter now, isn't it? That's right, yeah. 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 I hope it's they don't good. have any it's, rats. It's actually, yeah, it's much better use of um, a building within the town <laughs> than 20 <laughs> people trying to kill rats. <laughs> no more rat talks no more rat talk on this podcast rat murder yeah. uh getting back to Aftermath. so uh daniel fox uh recorded it he recorded your um last album as well patty for which i talked to you uh for That's the podcast um had you over in hoth it it sounded like it was a good uh rapport that he had so it was a kind of like a natural thing to ask to get him on board for Ottermond as well yeah well we 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 knew that getting the hater of men on board would be a, a good idea that's my little name from um it's longer yeah his, his full name is name lord name. daniel fox hater of men and scorner of sexiness throughout the galaxy which is uh, in short that's l-d-f-h-o-m-a-s-o-s-t-g-g but um we look we knew with the songs that we had getting daniel on board would make a lot of sense because the idea we had for the record flew it just aesthetically it was the opposite of what he liked um <laughs> and get, getting him to work like what 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 did we we had a sort of mood board of sorts so our mood board could be distilled as we were we were a band who had kind of like um been playing abrasive kind of uh arty music in 1979 or 1980 and now it was 1986 and we were all kind of desperate and we wanted to make the big pop make the album. big pop yeah. album and be relevant so that was our that was our kind of as i say that's our mood board it's not necessarily what we wanted it to finish up as but it was our kind of guiding uh yeah it was our it was our kind of organizing principle for how we'd approach the album yeah sort of Touch the of glass spider to and the, um, the great yeah. tradition of yeah, of like of yeah, sort yeah. of relevant 60s songwriters who died a death in the 80s you know that it's it, it, it follows in that tradition roxy music 80s albums yeah i remember we, so we got we kind of made a playlist to send to daniel and i remember i, I used to play uh, five side with him and he was really kind of disgusted when i when like i met him after he had seen the playlist <laughs> was he yeah yeah he kind of well it was kind of like i'm not sure he was disgusted but it was like Oh, so you're serious about that stuff? <laughs> oh, no. yeah, well, like I remember talking to him. We, we had him in the gaff, and we were, say, we were saying, like, you know, we we want the songs to have, like, you know, have a kind of like a clanad kind of feel and something. He was like, okay, okay. Uh, do you have any good ideas? Yeah. <laughs> he was he was so no, disappointed by what we showed him. He, he did embrace the bit of Celtic mysticism. That, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. there is a bit of Celtic yeah, mysticism. Yeah. But yeah, but as I say, the challenge for him was to take our sort of aesthetic mood board and to do something that fit his own style as well, you know. You might not get the Celtic mysticism on this record, but like I, I, I will say that we have been talking about this very recently and I think we're going to go further down the Celtic mysticism. We're going fields of gold on the next record, I'll tell you that much. I, I don't think I've heard of a band kind of talk about that before, kind of as like the, not the goal, but like the, the idea for the band, the kind of a mood board and stuff. Is that something that you do regularly with your music? No, and this this ties into what we were saying earlier with, uh, with this being an unnatural band for us. We kind of have to have these kind of, we have to talk about what we want to do, whereas probably on 
previous records, especially as sometimes we work quite atomically. Like, is that, is that a good is that a crack? Atomic? Independently Atomic. of each other, autonomously. autonomously. Uh, autonomously. Yeah, we um, Atomic. oftentimes like we produce something just without talking to anyone else. But we also definitely wouldn't have discussed what exactly we want to do, I'd say, in the past. It just kind of comes out. I think probably with this record, you're probably an exception, Paj. I know your two albums have been kind of, like, discussed uh, in advance. Oh, I'm Johnny Moodboard. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I have I have to make extensive notes for every record. There was a lot of 70s cocaine music talk for you at first when I remember that. <laughs> and a lot of we 70s had, cocaine. Yeah. No, we had a big bag of... Um, Bobby bought a big bag of um, oh, um, okay. caffeine caffeine powder off the yeah, internet. Yeah, we had to make the... Because <laughs> we were too uncool to use real cocaine. So yes. we, we, snorting lines of caffeine powder was you made yeah it. we had wow. to emulate the early 1970s in the room so yeah we did have the this the the illusion of cocaine um so yeah that was that's yeah it was pathetic what's it like snorting caffeine caffeine powder oh, so that's, powder. It's, it's like so that's a trip man very low grade cocaine yeah, absolutely um and what's that like well, that'll be up to the reader to the reader. <laughs> the reader. <laughs> this is a print. Yeah, this is a print. Yeah. Will someone be transcribing the interview? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they would. But uh, yeah, but um, what well, we that was a that was a tangent, wasn't it? We were saying um, it was probably Mood a more boards. interesting tangent. Mood boards. Mood boards. Yeah, like that. So it was part of forcing ourselves to do something different, wasn't it? I, I find suppose. it really good fun and really different to do an album like that yeah to like say it's going to be this and then yeah. when we write something to go all right oh. it was quite a dangerous mood board as well because you can stray into really really bad taste yeah yeah but, but like yeah. leaning into that with if you lean into it and then kind of tr you kind of back yourself yeah. to uh to actually not make bad music because you know you kind of have a little bit of faith yeah like we have a side your decision solo on the album yeah, so that's which is like, maybe a bad place to the end. end but, um, yeah, but like it's leaning into the cheesiness, but mm. like tastefully. I mean, very 1986. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. we kind of, if we, if it ever got to a point where we were kind of like, you know, giving each other kind of like nods and like raised eyebrows and winks, <laughs> we know if this is wrong. Like yeah. this is the bad. It has yeah. to actually be good yeah, in the end because yeah, yeah. we didn't actually want to set the album to be a bad record from 1986. We wanted it to be a good record. So, yeah, so that I mean, that comes down to the decision making, you know, as you yeah. as you actually execute it. You don't want to slip into pastiche, like, yeah, and like yeah, even exactly. if those precedents yeah. that you're like listening to and putting up a kind of like could be pastiche, but yeah, it's taking the yeah. it's taking the palatable elements out of that. Isn't but it? then, like, yeah. giving it a now. But it's, it it's now. Now yeah. but it's no, very specific. But it's a very specific thing from like like we we weren't we weren't trying to make oh 80s music you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it was very specifically a band who didn't fit into the 80s but were trying to be relevant yeah which i think is a different thing like like we were so dedicated to this sound that we even had a producer who didn't have the heart to tell us we were terrible <laughs> 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 it's like lads you're just out of touch you know yeah, like yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're you know the glory days are behind you lads you, know? yeah. you guys have the money so yeah yeah. Yeah. No, we, we, uh, there was there was great beauty to be found in that idea of trying to make an album about trying to still be relevant you know yeah there you go a song about that, isn't it? yeah but like we weren't trying to be relevant though we could give a shit about being relevant but we were under the illusion of trying Playing. to be relevant so Playing people absolutely knows him. I think it was. I think it was philosophical. <laughs> so how does Daniel Fox fit into it all? Is he just kind of like trying to focus e or trying to just like how how does he work with Ottermond? 
hadn't even tied harmonizer which is the 80s effects unit of choice so that was a very important thing that yeah. he brought to the, the thing yeah. so he, he brought that particular boxes on yeah, every song which uh, and also yeah focus is a good point yeah like focus. he has some good gear but he's also uh you know musically really um that's a terrible thing to say. Good. But what did Daniel Fox bring? Yeah. Equipment. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a it was a low rent. <laughs> what an asshole! Yeah. Uh, it was yeah, rent. it was a joke. Um, well, a slightly joke. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, a, a focus and like it kind of. Well, he showed up. He also know, probably made like because of his like slight sort of concerns, but I think he did sort of it stop it. it very yeah. Yeah, he stopped stop it being as bad as it could have been. Yeah. But he, he's al- he's also just like a really creative musician, and at points he gets in and becomes a musician. Like in um, there's there's a song on the album; it's the longest song, um, "Brain Upon Your Pillow," and there's a kind of an extended, strange abstract 2001 bit at the end, which he kind of um, got really stuck into and uh, made a lot of strange noises as we were kind of like rubbing our hands, thinking this is really fun, mm. and we basically were just kind of you know. Watching him at work oh, yeah. to an extent, hmm. but uh, I still want to like I I don't want to give too much credit. It's uh, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So he's uh, he's he's a uh, in some in some ways a kind of a a just a, a really good creative element to have in the room. He'll suggest things. Um, this is all kind of basic producer stuff, but he's good at that stuff. Yeah. You know, he's he'll good. get good takes out. He won't let you get away with a bad take. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's good at making you not feel stupid if you've done a. Even a if bad you taste stupid. or whatever. Even if you are stupid, yeah. Yeah. Which I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I can't believe what a bad bass player I am. But he <laughs> yeah. never tells me I'm one terrible. More, one more. One it's more for Jesus. Yeah. It's also nice because I think Popical and especially myself, um, Podrick, have recorded a lot of stuff ourselves. Mm, and it's yeah. actually really refreshing to not just record it yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. in the pop-in or at home and just go and have someone, like, outside ears someone to tell you when something's crap, someone to tell you when a take isn't good enough. And just that, that sort of thing, which is kind of rarity for us. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is actually really refreshing. I yeah, find it really, never, really yeah, refreshing. Do, just which to, is the easiest thing to do when you're just doing it yourself is say, uh, you know. Yeah. And to have do. someone who's actually good at that rather than just because, I mean, quite often you, like, the reason we've ended up recording ourselves so much, I think, is because you, you have kind of crap experiences in the studio where you go in and you record for... Yeah. There's some lad who doesn't care and yeah. just is there for you have to trust this two hundred and fifty quid for his eight hour. <laughs> he's just like, oh. and he has a nice way of doing it, like telling. Uh, yeah, and he's he's just really good at it. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, yeah. as evidenced by st- other stuff he's done. So, like, I remember um, you put out an EP at the end of, I think it was 2017 or 2018. It was, like, a three-track EP. Is that 2017 yeah, or 18? four-track. The end of 2017. And I, I just remember, yeah. like, the really, really long, like, I keep calling it a crate rock song. Yeah. Um, which was great. But then you kind of did kind of deviate away from that. So, like, yeah. there's no real one defining sound, no. I guess, for well, that, you, which is, e- nice, yeah. which is nice, too. Well, that EP was very much a kind of... Um, uh, a little exercise for ourselves to try and find out what kind of album we wanted to make. Oh, okay. Um, Before you settled on the mood board. Kind of, yeah. We we um we kind of we started making uh, these like we did four singles, I suppose, before that, all at the same time. But they were like they're all bonus tracks. They're all quite different songs, and uh, we had kind of as- aspects of like you know that we were doing that kind of perubu thing. But then we had a song that was like early nineties kind of grunge ballad. And we had, um, uh, and you know, so we were kind of flailing around a little bit, trying to find what we wanted to sound like. 
that record, that EP is bad. Like it's bad. It's badly done. It's badly. We just didn't. We didn't really. Um, I don't beat yourself up about. I this. actually like it now as well. I listened to it again recently. Yeah. I thought it was good. It's grand. It's kind of murky. After a while, I was like, it doesn't sound good. And yeah. Like it's not. We we didn't take any attention into recording any of it, but no, I listened to it again recently and it sounds good. There's there you a go. Tiny rehearsal room. I know. Like under. Yeah. Like, with other bands seeping through the walls. Yeah. But what it did was it gave us a way of writing, which uh, we continued with a lot of the songs yeah. on the on the new album. Look, so that song, the one you're talking about, is called Your Name, and it's uh, it's it's basically a folk song, and we took and like so it's like three verses, um. Like it starts out, it's like it started out as a kind of a just finger picked guitar folk song, and we were like, it's for whatever reason that kind of song is really uh, we fit we kind of hit on this is an this is a song that Ultraman can take and turn into a different thing or turn into a something that's uh, a kind of a, a band composition as such from this like very basic starting point, and uh, so a moonlight on that EP is the same, and. So you know, and they they wear what they wear, and I think probably like half the new album is takes that approach. You know, that's why I am kind of on the kind of I've been asked like you know about influences, and I always throw in the Asian Leaf by um, or is it Legion Leaf? I think they say by Fairport Convention, for Fairport Convention, just because I that to me is the is the like the apex of uh, you know that kind of English folk. Um, songwriting yeah, or I'll something and, I want to see the bright lights tonight as well like yeah got that. and just th- those songs just give you so much scope to um, to um, you know kind of follow them down different paths of you know exploration in a kind of a it's, yeah it's something more interesting about a melody like that especially if you're like I don't know using synths and guitars and stuff there's something more interesting than that than a, ca- a classic kind of pop or rock song or whatever yeah, so if you start with a pop with a classic pop or rock song, you don't you don't have as many places to go, I don't think. Whereas with, with Ultramonda, because I think an important thing with Ultramonda is and it's what we wanted from the start is that all four of us like contribute heavily to every song. Like it's um, they you know they they might have like started off like you know as something, but we all genuinely um, chip in. Like we had a we had we had a, we had a song on an ad recently, and we had a pint to celebrate getting a few quid. We we're talking like nobody in the four of us felt like we were kind of like making out like a bandit from this because like we could honestly all honestly point to that song and say we wrote it like you know we did like as a, as four people like which is I think it's I don't know it's yeah. not something I've been involved in before. So. It's a good ad too. It's what it is, Pat. <laughs> of all the ads I've seen, it's one of the most sunglasses sentence you said since the Thanks, man. What's How do you bring sunglasses? Oh, is, is it a song on the album? Yeah, it's called it's Fever in May. Oh, okay. Um, we released uh, it as a single already. We released it as a single, yeah, but it's on a, a car ad. Yeah. It's yeah. a really good ad, Paddy says. Yeah. yeah, it's very good, very sexy. Mm. It's got that sort of sexy German razor sharp feel. I think Paddy's saying that because there's a, a sort of sexier German version of him in the ad. Mm. It seems. So. I'd like to think we're on an even keel, but. Fair <laughs> And I guess one of the standout songs is one that you released last year as well on the record. Did that feel yeah, like the a, saxophone solo song? Yeah. Did that feel yeah. like a kind of a, a oh we've we've landed on something here? This is great, you know, like yeah. Well, that that one was mind. definitely the one that was like oh here's the pop song. We uh we kind of like from the here's very the 1986 hit. Yeah, yeah, and kind of like and we I, that one was that was a difficult one to, to actually actualize. 
we we you know it was it was nice to play, but I remember when we were recording it, we were like, Jesus, this is bad. Like it's really bad, and yeah. it took a lot of uh, it took a lot of tweaking. I think you said something about like dancing in the street or something, and then I was like, oh, that's what it's gonna sound like. I remember someone said something like about yeah like, that kind of era of Bowie, and I was like, oh yeah, and then I had an idea for the drums based on that. Yeah, and I think it turned into something like that. Yeah, it was, that was definitely the one that f- like, crept closest towards parody us, like whatever. Yeah. Before, like, yeah, re- like, was that's the one where we had to ugh. tread on eggshells, like, because it was, um, and like the very first time we, we, we like rehearsed the song as a band, we all started doing the sax solo in the middle, like, you know, <laughs> and, we're, and we were kind of like, oh, we can't really do it. And eventually, when it came to recording it, we said, we actually, you know, we should get the, the sax solo. And uh, just kind of trust that it's not going to be bad. Now it's really good the saxo, I think, on its own terms. Um, but um, the song, I remember the song when we recorded. It, I remember feeling it sounds. It actually sounded like something from American Pie for a while. <laughs> like it sounded like a, one of those, yeah. like early two thousands or late nineties, um, big fish or pop rock songs. And we we're like, this is terrible. It sounds like it sounds like we're driving along with a top down yeah. in the blaring sun in like you know some American city and really didn't want that at all and it was just a few tweaks turned it into a more of a night had a nighttime <laughs> feel yeah, by yeah, the end yeah. we were <laughs> yeah which is fine nighttime is fine but daytime no oh, daytime's off that's where Dan Fox comes in as well because that kind of slightly murky He's creepy production yeah. and He's you know he didn't like the obvious thing would have been to go for that big 80s drum sound on that Thing and really amp everything up, but he sort of toned everything down. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sound. Yes. But that sound was so e- like some of the other songs were kind of uh, were like easy enough to kind of like get in a place where they were going to be they're going to sound good to us anyway. But that one was difficult. Yeah, all like all the real poppy moments in the album are offset by a sort of a sort of gloominess that Daniel brought to the production. You know, a sort of a uh, industrial steely vibe. Yeah. That's, a, that's another thing we wanted that we want. We wanted. Do you remember we were talking about going to? Uh, this is this is terribly uh, pretentious. We were talking about going to Eastern Europe somewhere to record yeah, the album. Yeah, absolutely. We want, but we, we went to the Eastern Europe in our mind. We did. We wanted the album to have that kind of like <laughs> the the idea that we recorded it behind the. <laughs> We wanted it to sound like we recorded it sort of behind the Iron Curtain and we were a bunch of lads who had like, say, a Madonna CD or a tape or whatever. And that was yeah. our our only idea of what pop music was. Yeah. You know? Actually behind the Glimmer Man in Stony Battle rather than behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. Oh, behind the Glimmer Man. There you go. Yeah. The Glimmer Man is a bar in Dublin. That's very good. And Googie, Strange Brew, is putting out the record. It must be nice to have... I guess someone like that kind of stand behind the record too. I mean, you've got the relationship, I guess, with him, Paddy. Yeah. I, I mean, I chanced my arm with Googie. Like when I was putting out, frankly, I mutate. It took me a year to find someone who would actually put it out to the point where I was worried it will never come out. So I, I Googie was the last person I got onto and I didn't even get onto him because at the moment he had Strange Brew Records, which wasn't really a full record label at the time. He, he put out Dahi's album and a couple of things Elaine May did. And um, I just said, like, it's not going to be a fit. So I just said to him, do you know anyone? And then he said, after a while, I'll, I'll put the album out. And he w- it just turned out at the time that he wanted to expand Strange Brew. I, and it was just a case of good timing for me. So, yeah, we, we, we've uh, been friends ever since. And um, the first time I met Googie, by the way, was under less uh, cordial circumstances. Uh, I was in the Roisin with a friend of mine and there was a lock-in and my friend jokingly said to Googie, hey, this guy over here snuck in. And Googie, he, 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 had a, 
he, he had a couple of a couple of belts in him at the time he grabbed me by the ear and dragged me out of the venue by the ear and um who's your rat friend my <laughs> who's the rat he's a, he's bastard friend <laughs> a gentleman called sean Mahan. Oh, oh, and i don't know if he i don't know if he's gonna listen to this but if he does you sold me down the river <laughs> You know, that's why I you haven't forgotten. Yeah, that, that's why you went running to Glasgow oh, to get away. Your friends now. Yeah, no, well, no, yeah, well, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But he is, um, but yeah, I'm gonna put, uh, I'm gonna put Z's on his cheeks. The mark of the squealer. <laughs> the thing they used to do, you know. And and so, what are the plans for Atramond, uh for the rest of the year after the album comes out at the end of February? Well, we're going to uh, Austin for South by Southwest in March. Oh, wow! Yeah. Wow. And um, then we are uh, supposedly doing. We're doing a headline show in the Workman's in we're April. Doing other voices before we. Oh, we're we doing other voice in Ballina. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's the weekend. The album comes out, so mm. that'd be nice. And um, gigs, I suppose. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try. The album is kind of it's it's got a good setup. It's got like you know distribution and stuff in the UK. So we we um, or uh, Great Britain as I like call it we're going to go over there and play some gigs but they're like they haven't been announced or anything googie googie is working on it yeah, i'm sure there'll be lots of fun stuff for all you ultramond yeah. ex <laughs> oh god the ultramond ex i like to call them the monders the monders yeah and and no, putting no. putting a final bow on it uh the popkill island uh record that's coming out it's it's finally a record label i guess it's putting out the record uh yeah i mean let's put out records before but this is a uh yeah this will be a lovely lovely piece for your collection for did you ever collectors did you ever think of like uh we'll put Ottermond on popical island or? uh no um specific well actually yes and <laughs> 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 oh, that yes, the definitely. that ep is po- is a popical island <laughs> ep yeah, yeah. But uh, no, we kind of decided after that, that pop, like it was a slow death, but we said like popcorn and right, it's over, it's over, and it is over. Um, but uh, this thing is like a looking back fondly uh, retrospective. But uh, yeah, no, we said we, we need to kind of get away from it. So. And and like, do you look back fondly on all of those times? Like, is it a, kind of a nostalgia trip? Or are you like, uh, kind of thank God that's over as well in respect? Yeah. Well, it's probably still in the thank God that's over phase. No, I mean, all, I I like all the people. Like, we yeah. kind of we still like we have, you know, social I contact. Still feel like No Monster Club feels like Popical Island. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby's play there was pop, a Popical yeah, Island co-production. Yeah, that's true. He's still, he's still and it's still for and some like people still work together. Like, yeah. I mean, even that play, obviously Maggie produced it, and mm-hmm. you know other people were involved still useful yeah and it was yeah it was really i mean it was really good it was really nice to yeah. sort of i don't know just make loads of music yeah you know, like yeah, yeah. a five or six year period it's just, just that it becomes there's also like an admin side to it i suppose that's that's annoying and you know people don't, don't want to do that anymore yeah. but it's better to be the the having fun guy and not the number cruncher mm. couldn't have said it better on that note i guess uh congratulations on the album and best of luck for the year Thanks very much, Thanks. on. Thanks.